Boy, I can relate to, uh, <clears throat> ah, there we go. <clears throat> to uh, Laura talking earlier about how, you know, sometimes you make a mistake, everybody, you know, kind of remembers it better. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the other way to put it is uh, sometimes you make a mistake, no one ever lets you live it down, right? <laughs> Remind you of it all the time. You're trying to forget, but no, you can't. Anyway, yeah, I get that. Been there, done that a few times. Ah, uh, it's good. Isaiah 9, 2 to 7. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. <laughs> Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will do this. <laughs> Amen. We are uh, privileged to live in the, uh, what uh, some would call the, the church age. I wonder sometimes if we ever think about what it would have been like to live before Jesus. <laughs> the, privilege, this is the privileges that we enjoy today because of the fact that by his grace, we were born <laughs> after Jesus. The, the privilege of knowing that it's not some kingdom that we're looking forward to, but the kingdom has come. The kingdom is here. We celebrate a kingdom that has already arrived. Jesus said when he came, the kingdom is near, it's at hand, it's here, it's with us. Jesus, of course, is that kingdom, right? The kingdom of God. And the moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we enter that eternal kingdom. Now, of course, you know, we also live in this tension. Much better than living before Jesus, I'll remind you. But we do live in the tension of the fact that the eternal kingdom is here. That we are living in the eternal kingdom today, yet not completely, not fully realized. Because we are living in an age where 
Sin is still around us, within us, battling against us. Satan is still working his magic and evil around the world, continuing to, to, to create chaos, continuing to cling to souls. This is the, the time that we're in, the era that we are in. A realized kingdom, yes, but not fully realized. And in this time, you know, like at the end of a ball game that's all over, like there's no chance that the losing team is going to come back and win. Like in that game, we can sometimes look and say, you know, well, you know, why? You know, let's just kind of like, let's just lay back. Let's just not forget what's the big deal. Like, it doesn't matter if they score anymore. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, let's just kind of mail it in. Let's take some plays off and stop giving our best. That can be a tendency in this time. And some in the church fall into that. Matter of fact, unfortunately, I hear too often, I think, from Christians, this, this, this perspective that, well, you know, the end is here. Like, I mean, Jesus is about to come back, you know, and so like, you know, we can't do anything about it anyway. I mean, evil is going to kind of just continue to wreak havoc around the world. So we just need to let it go. Just uh, whatever. I'm just going to hole up in my house or I'm just going to curl up in my ball and make sure that no one gets in. No, we should not be doing that because our savior and Lord is still on the offensive. He's still striving, pursuing, seeking the lost. So even though we're in this age where the game is over, the victory has been won, and there's still seconds ticking off of the clock, we don't, we don't mail it in. We don't sit on the sidelines. We don't play halfway. We continue to put in our best because our Savior is continuing to put in his best. He is continuing to do his work. And he calls us to join him. But that's not the only reason. I think the other reason for this, for why we continue to pursue the lost, is because of what we have. We have eternity. We have forever. John 3.16, what is our reward? It says in John 3.16... For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. Our reward is everlasting life. We've we've already entered to the eternal kingdom, but this is still, this is tainted. You know, we see through a mirror dimly right now because the ultimate is still to come. We've got a little taste of it, flavor of it today, but we're hoping and still looking forward to that eventual reward of eternity eternity fully realized. And it is that reward that continues to drive us to seek the lost today. Because there's some that aren't going to enjoy that reward. There are still some who have not even tasted the eternal kingdom. There are some who still have not given their life to Jesus. Some who are still trapped and enslaved by Satan, by sin, by death. Our reward is an everlasting reward, and it's an eternal life that we are looking forward to. 
Now, sometimes we can think about eternal life and we can get some really messed up perspectives. Like, you know, that somehow we're just going to be spending all of eternity floating around in a cloud playing a beautiful harp. No, that is not our existence in the future. Others might think that it's, well, it's just kind of this continuation of life today. No, it's not a continuation of life today. Or others might think that it's just some kind of, like we just become part of this collective or become part of God's imagination and we kind of cease to have any kind of real existence separately, individually. No, no, no. These are not images that, that, that scripture teaches us about heaven. The reality is our eternal life is going to be totally and completely satisfactory. We will be totally, completely satisfied. The things of this world, even think about a great meal. <laughs> Have some of the best food you've ever eaten, right? I mean, some really good meal, whatever that may be. Maybe it's a burger, maybe it's a steak, maybe it's lobster. I don't know what it is for you, but whatever that awesome meal, maybe it's a bowl of soup, right? Whatever it is. So good, so satisfying in the moment as you eat, but then what happens afterwards? <laughs> it goes away. Like, you like, I want some more. I want to go back and have that steak again. I want to go and have that soup again, right? You, it's never satisfying totally. It's only momentarily satisfying. We get total satisfaction in the eternal life. For all time, we will be satisfied. For all time, we will be content. And for all time, we will have purpose. Our purpose is not just to float around on some cloud playing a harp. Our purpose is going to be clear to continue to walk with Jesus, to continue to bring glory to his name, to continue to love him and to love others for all of our days. We will have purpose in heaven. We will have great love in heaven. We will experience, some of us have experienced love in this world, and that's great. Some have not experienced love, and you're still looking for it. But it's the best kind of love is when you have a relationship with Jesus. But even now, we are, we're only getting a little bit of it. Imagine the feeling when we finally cross over from this life to the next in the eternal kingdom. And we see Jesus face to face and see the love in his eyes. To feel his arms around us, physically around us, not just spiritually, not just in our hearts and in our souls, but actually in our bodies. Can you imagine the love we were going to experience in that time? We can't, but it's going to be awesome. And the peace that will come over us knowing that the, the, the salvation that we have longed for is finally here. We don't have to worry anymore about sin. We don't have to worry anymore about not making it in. We have been fully accepted and we have entered into the kingdom. And the peace that comes over that, there's nothing else for us to fight for. We've made it. We've got the, our soul's desire. We have Jesus. We have salvation. We have eternity. We have you, each other. And the joy, of course, that comes with all of that. Great joy. Imagine the celebrations we'll experience in heaven. I hope it's a celebration, amen? A great celebration. The biggest party we've ever seen before. So much better than the women's Christmas party. <laughs> amen. Amen, right? We can all say amen to that, right? That's not a dig on you ladies. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that's good. Jesus. And Isaiah says, Isaiah says that Jesus is our everlasting Father. 
Not to be confused and some get a little bit, uh, have some misunderstanding of this title, Everlasting Father. And I think we should understand that we, this is not confusing Jesus, the second person of the, uh, of the Trinity, the Son of God, with the Father. God the Father, the spiritual Father of humanity. Sometimes we kind of jump that, that conclusion that, wait a second, I thought Jesus is a second, but he's everlasting. Wait, I thought that was God the Father. No, 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 that's not what this passage I think is saying. I think the point is that, that, that Isaiah is using a little bit of a different metaphor to point out the fact that Jesus is the Father of eternity. Jesus is the Father of everlasting. And he's the Father of those things in three different ways. First of all, creator. Second of all, he's the doorway into eternity. And finally, he is the joy of eternity. John 1, 1 to 4, I believe we have it on uh, the screen. Maybe, maybe not. Eventually, at some point. In the beginning, not the big inning, but in the beginning. No? Okay, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll find it on my Bible and read it. Laura's going to read it for us. Yes. Sorry for this. All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus created all things. This verse and others uh, like Colossians as well tells us that Jesus was the one who was the the creator, uh, the the one who created these things, created not just creation, the, the world that we live, not just us, but also created eternity. He has created all things, including eternity. And understand, and we've seen this before and talked about this a little bit in Genesis, but the reality that we as human beings were created for eternity. If you ever wonder why we struggle as human beings so much against death, right? Why we continue to fight against it and like, no way, we're not going to give in to death because death is the end, right? Why would we do that? If all of us experience death, you think at some point we kind of go, well, yeah, this is, you know, okay, this is what part of, you know, our existence is going to be death. But we fight against it because God has placed eternity in our heart. We know that we've been created for eternity, forever, to live and exist for all time, not just for a period of time. And so we have that, but also I think, you know, this other uh, points to this uh, fact that God has put eternity in our heart is our minds, right? You know, our, our minds don't age, right? I'm still like 23 years old or something, right? And I can still do those things that I used to do when I was 23, right? Until I actually try to do it. And I go, ouch, what happened, right? You know, right? You know, our minds don't age, right? We still have this sense that we're younger than we are, a sense that our minds is going to continue to go, right? We, we just have this idea in our thoughts that we're, we're going to exist forever. We, we stop aging in essence in our brains. And I think, again, that's another sign that we have been created for eternity, And so Jesus is our everlasting father because he is the creator of eternity, of the everlasting. But he's also the doorway to eternity. He's the one, the first one to break through the death's door, right? To to fight off, we talked about this a couple of weeks, the fact that he fought off death, that yes, he died, but he didn't stay dead. He was able to defeat death. 
to be able to break the chains of death. And it resurrects from the dead. I think, did we get our passage? We do. Okay. Now, 1 uh, Corinthians 15, 20 to 23. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Jesus is the doorway, not just because he was the one who was the first to resurrect from the dead and show that eternal life was possible, but it is through Jesus that we too can join him in that resurrection and get to spend eternity with him. John 14, right? John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, Jesus says, right? It's through Jesus that we have this opportunity to enter eternity. Not only did he create eternity, not only, not only did he create us for eternity, but through him, we can actually experience all of eternity. That's what we're hoping for. We come to him, and he promises when we do come to him, to raise us up after our death, to be resurrected with him and to spend all eternity with him. The amazing thing about, I, I think, this, this reality of the doorway, you know, oftentimes we think about a doorway, like those doorways are kind of there. Like, you know, that's, if that's the doorway to eternity, well, they're going to be there. Like, we got, if we're going to get people into eternity, we got to go get them and then bring them to this door so that they can enter eternity, right? Oftentimes we see doors as being static, you know, they're there, they're not going to move. But the amazing thing about Jesus being the doorway is that he's not somewhere over there, he's here. And the doorway to eternity is pursuing those who have yet to walk through it. And he doesn't say, hey, you got to do all of these things. you got to do all this work. And then finally you can maybe someday get to the doorway so that you can enter eternity. No, he says the doorway is right here. And so the doorway is, to eternity is a person. And because it's a person, that person is pursuing the loss, is out there, and is, and, is, and is able to be received, able to be walked through by anyone at any time, as long as they recognize who Jesus is. Amazing truth. Amen. Amen. But Jesus is not just the creator of eternity. He's not just the doorway to eternity. He is the joy in eternity. Matthew 25, 21. Can't wait for this moment in time, right? His master will say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen. Have you thought about that time? I spent a little bit of time talk, talking about it here just a few minutes ago. Have you thought about that entrance? Have you spent some time dreaming about it? Have you, have you ever sat and just kind of like reflected on what it will be like to see Jesus? When our salvation is finally realized, right? I mean, what a great moment, right? If, if you're on death's, the, uh, the deathbed, on your deathbed, I can do it. If you're on your deathbed and you're laying there, and then you open your eyes, and instead of seeing your friends and family, you see Jesus. 
Have you thought about it? Have you thought about being in the physical presence of Jesus? I mean, the amazing thing is that by his spirit, he is with us all the time, right? Even now, we as believers, we get this amazing blessing of having the Holy Spirit within, within us, and we can walk, and he is always, Jesus is always there with us everywhere we go. He's encouraging, he's speaking, and it's real, it's tangible, it's stuff that we can actually experience and feel personally, emotionally, right? It, it's, it's real, but it's nothing, again, compared to what it's going to be like the moment we open our eyes and see Jesus face to face. Can you imagine the moment when that happens? To have the physical presence of Jesus, the culmination of what we have hoped for and longed for our life. You know, it's interesting. I think sometimes we as Christians get, you know, again, it's, I think we have, because we have this poor view of what heaven is like or poor view of what the eternal kingdom is like, we, we can sometimes, you know, you know, God, Jesus, don't come back quite yet. You know, I've got some things I want to, yeah, I got, you know, there's a lot of cool things I want to experience in this world first, right? You know, it's like, you know, no, 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 not God. Like somehow anything in this life is going to be any better in any kind of manner at all to what we're going to get in eternity, right? I mean, to, to walk alongside Jesus and to like actually hold his hand, to see his face, to see him smile at you. Imagine the eyes. Imagine looking him in the eyes like, and finding out, does he have blue eyes or brown eyes, right? Or black eyes, right? Does he have hazel eyes maybe? I don't know. Does he have beautiful eyes? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, what are, you know what I'm saying? I mean, have you ever thought about that? And the amazing joy that comes from that. To know that we no longer have to fight against sin. There's some perspective, you know, like... I believe that when we get to heaven, like, free will is no more. And some people struggle with that because like, well, wait a second, how can we, if we don't have free will, then that means we're just slaves. We're just kind of, but no, 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 understand. I, I think I see it this way. Like when we not having free will anymore is what we're hoping for because free will has destroyed us. And so we are freely choosing today, because God has given us free will, to bow our knee to Jesus as Lord in hopes that someday when we do die, that we will not stay dead or not spend eternity in hell, but instead he will resurrect us from the dead and we will no longer have the choice of sin. Sin will be totally gone. We'll never have to do it again and we'll be able to enjoy fully what we've longed for, which is to do right every time, for everything that we think to be right, for everything that we say to be right, for everything that we do to be right. What a glorious day that will be, amen? If you love righteousness, then you will love eternity because sin is no more and we get to walk every day, every moment in righteousness, just like Jesus does all the time. What a great day that will be. What a joy it would be. What a celebration. Sin is finally finished. Perfection is finally realized. And we spend every day with our Savior, with the people that we love all around us. What an awesome, an amazing time that will be. 
as I've reflected uh, with this imagery I've been giving you about this kind of a, a garbage time football game, you know, at the end with time is still ticking off the clock and it's still going, but, but, but there's, the victory is won. It's over. The game is over. I reflected this week on when the clock finally ticks down and it's triple zeros. And whether it's a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game, they always at the end of the big game of the year, you know, the champions have been crowned. They always move you in with the cameras into the locker room. And think about that locker room celebration. And maybe you're not in a sport, so this isn't for you. I don't know. But if, you ha- if you're not, you need to watch it at least sometime. Like, uh, stick around for after the Super Bowl. Like, you know, okay, when's, you know, you see the, see the celebration. It's amazing. Because, you know, those guys that were just on the field, and, and maybe the game was over, but they were still battling until the final out, until the final seconds are ticked off. Now, they've totally changed their demeanor, and they're in the locker room, and it is full-on celebration mode. The music is loud, right? And they are just, I mean, it's crazy. And they're no longer, like, talking about, okay, how do we win this game? How do we defeat them? Now, they're talking about the, the plays that were, right? They're remembering, like, oh, yeah, remember that amazing play that we had? Oh, I can't believe you caught that ball. That was amazing, right? And so you're talking and remembering now all the amazing things that did happen in the game, but now you're just celebrating because it's like, yes, look what happened. It's amazing. We're, we did it. And, and, and no longer do we have sweat dripping down our brow. Instead, we've got champagne dripping down our brow, right? Because we are having this amazing feast and this party because we have finally made it. We've won the game. It's in. There's nothing else to do. It's ours. We just celebrate together. Amen? This is the imagery that's come to me this week as I prepared that we would be the ones feasting at the end and that we would think about that and imagine that and hope for that and look forward to that. So let me close with this. Keep that in your, in your mind. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. That's coming. The locker room celebration is coming, but we're not there yet. And so what kind of image do we have today? It's one certainly of continuing to fight and to battle, but it's one of anticipation. And this is why we take time to reflect on the locker room. This is why we take time to reflect on eternity. This is why we take time to reflect on how it'll feel the moment we see Jesus face to face because it builds in us anticipation of what's to come. Anticipation like for a life conference. I don't know if there's any teenagers in here or people that went to life, right? There's a couple back there. I went to a bunch of lives. I went to nine, actually, because I'm a cat. So I can't go to any more because I've gone to nine lives and now I'm done. So anyway, but anyway, I, I, it, at the beginning of a life conference, I, I remember every time. It was so amazing. So you, you, you're in this room with like 5,000, 6,000, sometimes 7,000 other teenagers and people that love Jesus. And you're in this room, right? And it's kind of dark, you know, they like to do that. You kind of make it a little bit dark. But then on the screen, sometimes it's like five minutes before, sometimes it's like one minute before, but they start, they put a countdown clock. 
And you're all sitting there, and, and we're thinking about this reality, like with all these students, with all these teenagers, and we see the clock, the countdown clock come up, and it begins to count down, right? And when that happens, people start to cheer. They get excited, right? What are they excited about? Well, they're excited because, first of all, of all that they've done in order to get here. They're remembering, oh my gosh, this took a lot of work to get here, but we're here. We made it. But they're also excited because about what's about to come, right? They don't know fully. Those who have never been to life, they're not sure. Like, what's going to happen next, right? Don't really know, but they know it's going to be great. Like, it's going to be awesome. Like, they're just, this week is going to be just blow their minds, right? And so they watch as the count continues to drop. And this is, the, this is where we're at today. This is the image that we take today. This is our anticipation. The clock is counting down and we're like, yes, it's coming. We're going to be there soon. Or another image to give you is, have you ever sat and waited for the baby to be born? I remember especially our second child, Rose, when she was born. The first time, our first kid, we were too young, didn't know what was going on. It was crazy. And we had like, I don't know, 40 people in the room. It was Seriously, it was like, whoa, what's going on? Anyway, but the second time, we're like, everybody thought it's just Debbie and I. And then, oh, and the nurse was there, yeah, and maybe a doctor. <laughs> but we're sitting there like, and you've been there, right? Remember what it feels like to be sitting there. It's been nine months, especially for you women, nine months of your body doing all kinds of crazy things and creating all kinds of extra pain and suffering and whatever. And, but there's all this excitement and anticipation. And now you're finally in the, in the, in the hospital, right? The contractions are, you know, they're three or four minutes apart. You're like, this is happening. The doctor's coming. Hey, it's coming. We're it's time. We're ready to go. Right. And then like the baby's head finally crowns, right? It's like, yes, we're here. This is really painful. This is really hard, but this is really awesome. It's coming. The child that we've been waiting for. And I remember when Rose was finally born and my wife and I both just like, yeah, right. I mean, literally out loud, like, Hey, what's going on? Right. But we were so excited, right? The baby is here, right? This anticipation of the baby coming. And the final image, I think for us to take with us in this time is that in the midst of a wedding, as a, a father, I've had the opportunity to walk both of my daughters down the aisle. And, and that's a different image. That's a different feel. But to be the groom. I've had the privilege of, as a pastor, to be able to stand next to grooms as their bride finally comes into sight. You know, the, the amazing thing about weddings is in that moment, like, like, it's not a surprise. You know, this is not a, this is not a Jacob moment, right? Like, oh, wait, wait, who am I marrying? What happened? Right? He, he, he knows the woman, right? He knows what she looks like. He, he spent some, you know, time with her, right? She know, he knows who she is. But yet there is so much excitement, anticipation in that moment as the groom stands there nervously twitching a little bit. But at the same time, he can't keep his eyes off the back of the church waiting for his bride to finally show her face. This is us in this time, in this garbage time, this church era the eternal kingdom is here. We've tasted it a little bit. We've seen it a little bit. We haven't fully realized it yet. And what are we waiting for? We're standing at the altar looking and waiting for Jesus to finally show his face. 
This is what we're in. It's a reason to celebrate. Yes, the world around us is chaotic. Satan and sin and evil continue to fight against us and clinging to all the souls they can, wanting to disrupt us and to mess with our lives as much as they can. But we are victory, have victory in Christ. We have already won the game. And so now we continue to work in the game, but with that anticipation, the vision of the locker room in our head, continuing to wait and anticipate that moment and that time when finally we open our eyes and Jesus is there. Amen? Oh my gosh. Worship team, come up, please. Are you excited about that? If you're not excited about eternity, let me encourage you. Spend some time reflecting. Ask Jesus to help you to understand and know and give you some visions of what that's going to be like to build that excitement. That reward is worth not only our life, but it's also worth pursuing the lives of others with Jesus. That reward is something that we want all to enjoy. We want to be able to have that moment when Jesus is finally revealed to have next to us those who we love, those who we know, those who are lost but are now found. We want everyone to join us in that celebration. And so we continue to pursue those who don't know Jesus in hopes that they too will get a little taste of eternity today but also will build their anticipation and excitement about someday when they get to see Jesus face to face. Got to end this with some Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And then jumping to verse 22, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory of the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you need prayer this morning, maybe you don't have this joy yet. Maybe you have not tasted the eternal kingdom yet. Please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. If there's anything else that you need prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Merry Christmas. Have a great Sunday. God bless you all.